0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.59 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 14th of April 2021. It's Coinbase Listing Day. You heard it. It is April the 14th. That is the day that Coinbase lists on NASDAQ, I would presume. Uh, $65 billion is what the valuation is going at. At the moment, people have said that it could be as high as a dollars but it will list at least at $65 billion sometime today. When? Well, that's anybody's guess. Apparently, when companies list, it's a surprise. You know it's going to happen on a certain day you just don't know when. Is it 8.30 in the morning? No, because the markets aren't open. Is it when the bell rings? Well, not necessarily. It's a very confusing thing, but like, uh, for example, Palantir, when it went public, it didn't list until 1.30 p.m. Eastern uh, Daylight Time or Eastern Standard Time. I can't remember when it exactly listed uh, what you know, time zone we were actually in, but it didn't list until, you know, well into the afternoon. So if you're expecting like Coinbase, I don't know, go- you know, googly eyed bullshit to happen almost immediately, it may not. So, you know, if you're like going to be hanging around with popcorn around CNBC, you may be disappointed. I'm just saying it it could be later in the day. However, with the valuations of what's going on, uh, with God, please don't kill me. But crypto, uh, it people are you know suggesting that this may all be due to the Coinbase listing today. It, who knows? We'll we'll have to find out. We've got some. I've got some news about the some other particulars about the Coinbase listing, and we'll get into that later. But Dogecoin hit like freaking fourteen cents. Right? That's your shitcoin indicator indicator you know what all the shit coins are doing simply by looking at one of them, which is the absolute worst offender of all the shit coins ever, which is Dogecoin, right? I'm starting to really, like I used to hold my bag of Dogecoin very closely because I thought it was cute. And it was like, you know, when I first got in and I was really, stu- it was a reminder to me that I was really, really dumb. And the oppor- opportunity cost, That uh, I basically put on the fucking shelf to buy a goddamn bag of Doge is coming back to bite me in the ass. Because yes, if I sold my Doge right now, I would make some money. How much more money would I have had if I had just stayed in Bitcoin? But there was no way for me to know because as a noob in 2015, I fell down the same stupid holes into the same stupid traps as everybody else. Almost nobody is immune to this, okay? So if you're holding the bag of shit and you, you've turned into a maximalist, don't feel bad. We've all done it. And the people that say that they they didn't do it, uh, I, I, I would, I'm going to suggest that there are probably a few. But when I mean few, I literally mean very, very few that did that shit, okay? But for the rest of us plabs, or plebs, however you wanna pronounce it, we all made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. And I I have to eat the opportunity cost of that shit. But it goes to show, and I've got a news story about this too. Well, let's just let Gigi tell you in his own words what he thinks is going to happen. Because I tweeted out, given a particular news story that you'll hear in a sec, That we thought this was starting to look like 2017 with the ICOs. I commented that it's much, much worse. Let's hear what Gigi has to say. In a tweet on February the 11th, 2020. Okay, this was well over a year ago. Gigi writes this, mark my words, people have not learned. The next mania will have all the scams again. Old shit coins, new shit coins, government shit coins, and worse. Prepare accordingly and try to save those who are willing to be saved or at least save yourself. The hype is here. It's coming. I can tell because of the Dogecoin shitcoin indicator. Okay? It's bad. Don't get fooled. Do not make the mistakes that I've made. Okay? I am going to have to eat quite a bit of opportunity cost. I got to live with that. All right. Now, with the warnings about the hype said, let's get into the morning roundup with Coinbase awards all employees with a hundred shares in surprise bribery. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean giveaway. Decrypt.co's Jeff John Roberts has this. When Coinbase goes public on Wednesday, The list of people eligible to cash in will be longer than expected. That's thanks to a recent decision by the company to hand out 100 shares to its approximately 1,700 employees around the world. The giveaway means that every full-time employee at the company is poised to become $25,000 richer based on the $250 reference price set by the NASDAQ Stock Exchange on Tuesday. The actual price at which the stock begins to trade, however, could be significantly higher or lower. The surprise gift was actually announced during a Coinbase all-hands meeting on March the 25th. The Irish publication Business Post first reported the 100-share distribution upon learning of it from employees at Coinbase's Dublin office. A Coinbase spokesperson confirmed the giveaway to Decrypt today, describing it as a thank you to the company's staff in recent years. Coinbase has replaced equity grants to new employees with so-called restricted stock units, or RSUs, that permit recipients to acquire shares over time. By contrast, the March 25th distribution amounts to a no-strings-attached grant. Like other tech and fintech companies, Coinbase relies on contractors to perform many lower-level jobs, so people who provide the company with tasks like cafeteria and janitorial services will not re- receive any of the large S. Meanwhile, former and current senior executives at the company are already they are already awash in Coinbase shares. These include, of course, CEO Brian Armstrong, but also Coinbase's head of product and chief legal officer, who are sitting on hundreds of thousands or millions of shares according to regulatory filings. Coinbase is making its shares available to a public or to the public via a direct listing which differs from a traditional initial public offering in that the company in question does not rely on underwriters and does not issue a new batch of shares. Coinbase stock is expected to begin trading Wednesday morning San Francisco time where the company is headquartered. The listing marks a major milestone for the crypto industry as a whole and is expected to inform the price of other crypto companies and have broader implications for Bitcoin. Okay, so what is this? (laughs) It's a bribe. <clears throat> with the amount of shares that are going to be doled out anyway to the full-time employees of Coinbase. <clears throat> I think Brian Armstrong is is fearful that people will dump their Coinbase shares for for Bitcoin or god forbid some other bullshit, you know, thing that they do. They he's just I think he's afraid of dumping their the shares which will plummet the price of Coinbase and make an, an, may possibly make for an embarrassing show sometime today, whenever that is. This this news story is saying that it's going to list this morning, but honestly, nobody really knows exactly when it's going to list. But be that as it may, so an extra 100 shares for 1,700 employees, yeah, $25,000 a piece, you know, that's, that's not bad, but, you know, eh, honestly, they should just dump the shares that those shares and their coinbase shares anyway and just buy bitcoin honestly but what whatever now <clears throat> ben the carman is taking a note from uh, nick carter and is becoming a quite a violent person himself i'm i'm very impressed honestly he's got this one out of bitcoin magazine uh, entitled using discrete log contracts to attack bitcoin forks <laughs> Currently, there are many blockchains with minuscule amounts of hash power compared with Bitcoin, and yet they rarely see attacks. I believe that this is because of external factors that prevent miners from taking advantage of this potential revenue stream. Discrete log contracts are a method to mitigate those external factors so that miners have the ability to attack minority blockchains. If one wanted to attack a minority blockchain, oh, let's say BSV, the current best way would be to steal Bitcoin from an exchange. This could be done by depositing some BSV into an exchange, selling it for Bitcoin, withdrawing said Bitcoin, and then executing a 51% attack such that the original BSV deposit never happened. At the end of this, the attacker has received Bitcoin without having to spend any BSV. There are a few problems with this attack scenario that make it difficult to execute. One is that most exchanges require KYC procedures for trading and withdrawal. This means that if such an attack were perpetrated on a blockchain like BSV, the exchange could see exactly who was doing it. Another problem is that the attacker would clearly be stealing from the exchange, which is immoral, and it could destroy a miner slash mining pool's reputation if they were to execute such an attack collectively. These factors mitigate and arguably remove the incentives that large-scale miners would need to find such attacks to disrupt minority blockchains worthwhile. So the solution? DLCs provide a way to establish contracts on Bitcoin that are contingent on a set of Oracle's attestations. If one wanted to attack minority blockchains, it would be useful to be able to bet that they will experience 51% attacks Or to better quantify such attacks, one could bet that a blockchain reorganization greater than or equal to 100 blocks will occur. Once a miner has made such a bet, they have an economic incentive to attack the minority blockchain as it would allow them to receive the payout without having to steal from the exchange. Such a miner could then attack the blockchain themselves to force a 100-block reorg to occur, after which the oracles would attest that the event has indeed occurred. And the miner could then claim their reward by executing the DLC. Thus... The miner could attack the minority blockchain and get paid for it while not having to steal from anybody. Somebody's losing Bitcoin, man. The only thing missing is that the miners need someone to fund the other side of this contract. There you go. By betting that the minority blockchain will not experience a large reorganization. Anyone can take this bet, whether hodlers of the actual coin or simply gamblers. The non-malicious miners of the target blockchain would have a large incentive to take this side of the bet as they are the defense system that prevents these large reorgs from happening. In the event that the attacker fails or no attack ever comes, the bet would provide free extra income for the minority blockchains miners. If a market developed around this, it could create a signaling mechanism that would show when a block reorg attack is about to occur. If a miner were about to execute a large reorg on a blockchain, they would likely purchase any available contracts betting that the reorg will occur. This mass buying of the contracts could signal to the market that a reorg is coming and entities like exchanges could temporarily halt deposits and withdraws to mitigate risk. In summary, today, Bitcoin miners do not have a way to profit from attacking minority blockchains without stealing from a regulated entity. DLCs provide an alternative that could function as a marketplace for pricing the cost to attack minority blockchains. Okay. <clears throat> that's an interesting concept. The, o- the, the only problem I see here is who's going to take the other side of that bet. I sure as shit wouldn't. I mean, the second I saw that, I was... Uh, uh, but, however... Okay, hold on. Just, the thought just occurred to me. If a large amount of DLCs were signaling a, an attack on BSV, it would only take one time for an attack to occur and it does and honestly it wouldn't even have to be successful let's say there was like all of a sudden it was it was broadcast to i don't know the 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 bitcoin sphere that this shit was going to happen like three dlcs get flashed and it says hey you know looks like uh we're taking the side of the bet that bsv is going to be attacked on a 51 percent," and then the attack occurs but the attack fails and a 100 block reorg doesn't occur. let's say it's only 10 blocks. okay so you lose that side of the, the the people that made that side of the bet on the DLC they lose. However, now you've injected information into the system that suggests, oh shit, we knew it was coming and then you do it again. but that time the second time maybe it's successful, or maybe the second time it just gets close It's 98 blocks that got reorg you lose the bet again well you got closer this time right maybe the third time's a charm and maybe the third time is when all the exchanges halt trading on bsv <laughs> everybody gets scared and like it or starts trying to dump their bsv and then the, the the exchanges say we're stopping withdrawals because it's just draining the reserves and everybody's selling this shit and it's crashing the price now you've got something because it's a social attack along, that's being enabled by a technological attack. So it's not just a one-time deal. Like, you know, Ben's, got a, Ben's actually got a pretty a pretty viable plan, but I think the plan is only executable if it becomes socialized. If you socialize this attack and you do it again and again and again, understanding that you don't have to win the first five times, all you have to do is scare the piss out of people, now you got something. And I would love to see it, by the way. I think it would be funny as shit. Binance is going to list Coinbase stock token, Coin, to trade against BUSD. Decrypt.co's Tim Copeland tells us about it. Crypto Exchange Binance plans to list a tokenized version of Crypto Exchange Coinbase's stock once it goes public later today. This will let users buy and sell fractions of a share if they so wish. Coinbase is set to go public via direct listing on the NASDAQ in what's been described as a watershed moment for crypto. NASDAQ has given the stock, which will trade under the ticket coin, C-O-I-N, a reference price of $250 million, or $250 million, sorry guys, $250, providing a valuation of right around $64 million. I don't think that's right, dude. I don't think that's right, whatever. Binance's tokenized stocks are tokens backed by the underlying stock. A German investment firm looks after the stock on behalf of Binance. Because they are bought and sold as tokens, they can be divided and fractions can be sold. If the token produces dividends, they will be divided amongst the token holders. Binance users can trade the stocks during traditional exchange hours, unlike cryptocurrencies, which are traded 24-7. The exchange only started listing tokenized stocks on Monday. Okay, it's now Wednesday, guys. The first stock available was Tesla, which blew up in value throughout 2020. Binance's move into tokenized stocks follows the success of its rival exchange, FTX, which offers a wider array, or array of tokenized stocks, including Tesla, MicroStrategy, PayPal, and Amazon. On Monday, FTX CEO Sam Bankmanfried commented on Binance's recent edition of tokenized stocks, stating, quote, this is just their beta only by competing and challenging each other uh, to do better can we push this industry forward in quote so <laughs> immediately we see binance listing uh, coinbase shares as a token on their blockchain which begs the question do we need ethereum i mean is it is it is it necessary that that you know decentralized finance occurs on on uh, on Ethereum, I don't think so. And and Binance is is kind of creeping up on, uh, their token is creeping up on Ethereum's market cap, in a pretty vicious way. Uh, if I was an Ethereum, I I wouldn't be all I wouldn't be all that happy about it. I'll tell you that much. Now the greatest Michael Saylor interview ever was done by a toddler hodler. Three-year-old Bitcoin educator interviews Michael Saylor. Brian Quarmby tells us about it from Cointelegraph. Three-year-old Lily Knight, the world's youngest Bitcoin educator, interviewed billionaire MicroStrategy founder, Michael Saylor for her YouTube channel in a video that dropped on April the 13th. In the interview, Lily noted that Saylor's accumulation of more than $2 billion worth of Bitcoin since August 2020 had been a ballsy move. The toddler, and unconfirmed hodler, became something of a viral sensation in the crypto space in mid-February after she, aided by her parents, clearly, published a video explaining Bitcoin's dynamics using Skittles candy. The video caught the attention of Saylor and fellow crypto billionaire uh, Tyler Winklevoss and both retweeted the video. Winklevoss added that, quote, Lily, a three-year-old, understands Bitcoin better than most central bankers, end quote. <clears throat> Lily's father noted in a Reddit thread that the ridiculous idea to interview Saylor had come after he reached out to thank the corporate world's biggest Bitcoin cheerleader for retweeting the video. Sailor was responsive to the idea. Her father revealed that the video required a lot of editing as he had to plead and bribe Lily to sit still as they pre-recorded the questions for the microstrategy founder to let to answer later. quote, we, "We recorded her side of the interview and then zoomed with him and played her questions, pausing after each one for him to answer. "I wish we could do it live, but she's so unpredictable at this age." She just might break out into a Frozen song or something, maybe when she's a little older. (laughs) Now, the tweet from Michael Saylor, uh, or the retweet of Lily Show's tweet announcement uh, made by Michael Saylor says this. I don't normally get nervous speaking about Bitcoin, but it is almost impossible to get an invite to appear on the At Lily Night Show. Night is spelled with a K, by the way, if you want to go check it out. The first question Lily asked was, when did you first buy Bitcoin? What convinced you to buy? Saylor said that he'd been searching for new treasury strat- strategies to preserve shareholder value in March of 2020 due to a gnawing suspicion that the money was broken. He added, quote, I went on a mad quest to find a solution and I was delighted to discover Bitcoin, a store of value over long periods of time. So once I discovered Bitcoin and understood all of its characteristics as a digital monitoring network, I started buying it and I haven't stopped, End quote. The young crypto educator said that a lot of people are confused by Bitcoin and asked Mr. Saylor, what do you think is the biggest misconception? <laughs> the billionaire said people often characterize Bitcoin as purely an investment idea or speculative asset. However, he describes it as the world's first monitoring network, quote, Bitcoin is the world's first digital monitoring network, and it's a technology. And when you start thinking of it as a better technology for money, then you realize that it's not just a trade. It's actually a way to think about the world, end quote. This may have gone over Lily's head. She finished up by asking, what's next for you? With Saylor responding that he's looking forward to doing everything he can to spread Bitcoin to billions of people and also educate the world on the benefits of Bitcoin, end quote. Quote. And when I get some free time, I'm going to buy myself some Bitcoin, he added. All right, if you haven't seen the little, little Lily, this three-year-old girl asking Michael Saylor questions, it's, it's worth your time, dude. Especially the reaction, the reactions on Michael Saylor's face is almost priceless. It's almost like he's having more fun than he's had since he's been in this space. Because this three-year-old little girl is asking them these questions now granted it's not he she wasn't asking them live and of course if you have kids you know that that would be impossible for a three-year-old but be that as it may the parents made it work out and we've got ourselves quite a little gem here like i said if you hadn't seen it go look for it. <clears throat> you can find it at Lily Night Show. That's L-I-L-Y-K-N-I-G-T-S-H-O-W. It's worth your time. <clears throat> it was worth mine. Zero carbon footprint mining, new growth area for investors as Block BlockWorks Sam Reynolds suggests. Bitcoin as a climate change accelerant has become a popular meme, basically a lie, over the last year, with countless articles written about its energy-hungry nature of mining derailing goals. While some see a crisis, others see opportunity to use North America's abundance of hydroelectric power. Some of it is orphaned in abandoned industry towns as a way to match hash rates with cheap green energy. As more of the world's hashing power moves to North America, investors have taken interest in harnessing the continent's hydroelectric grid as a source of energy for Bitcoin mining. The continent is also home to plenty of orphaned power, products of economic shifts in the mature economies of the United States and Canada. People are migratory, boomtowns come and go, but functional grids last for more than a lifetime. One example of a company capitalizing on the demand for carbon-friendly Bitcoin is Griffin Digital Mining, which recently closed a $14 million Series A round, which institutional investors bought nearly a third of. Griffin boasts a blue chip board that has poached talent from Fang as well as Disney and NASDAQ. The company is sourcing power from upstate New York's hydro grid, CEO Rob Chang told Blockworks, that the company is likely in the top quartile globally for cheap electrical costs giving it a competitive edge for mining. Quote, we can provide 100% carbon-free renewable energy source that can be competitively that can still competitively mine Bitcoin. We are 100% ESG committed as opposed to one that happens to be in the right place at the right time, he said. Chang noted that there are Bitcoin mining companies that have said they currently use green energy but haven't necessarily committed to being that full-time in the future, which implies if a natural gas opportunity shows up, they may still take it. Uh, You need to take it because if you're just going to continuously leak methane into the atmosphere, uh, that's a hundred times worse than carbon dioxide. So if you're if you're a, a crypt, crypto, if you're an eco hystericist, you should be concerned about the amount of methane leaking into the atmosphere, even without drilling. By the way, there's all there's an entire frozen seabed of methane in the North Atlantic that just bubbles methane out of it. If you're if you're really hysterical about the the uh, a, the ecology of the planet and the climate, then you need to figure out a way to go capture that because we don't even have to drill that for for methane to be escaping into the atmosphere. And again, methane is 100 times worse. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, we aren't greenwashing, added Brittany Kaiser, one of the company's board members. We aren't using dirty power and then purchasing carbon credits or offsets in order to make up for what we've done. (laughs) We feel bad. We're going 100% clean from the beginning. Kaiser, a former Cambridge Analytica employee and one of the subjects of the Netflix documentary, The Great Hack, says her primary role is working with regulators and politicians to help them understand that the industry isn't a threat to climate accords or carbon target policy. A number of states and counties within the U.S. are looking at passing bills or other laws that encourage mining, Kaiser said, highlighting that some rural areas are pushing for tax incentives for mining to utilize their stranded power. Quote, we're going to see a lot more hashing power come to the United States because of this, she said. Okay, let's just go ahead and end it there because everything else is basically kind of fluff and talking about people moving back into uh, rural areas, which is happening at a, at a frightening pace whether this was going to happen or not. Um, <clears throat> what I can say about this is that green, the Green New Deal in some form, some form, fashion, way, shape, or another is coming. And it ain't just coming to the United States. If you're, wor- if you're like in the United States and you're worried about AOC sitting up there screaming about the Green New Deal, this is a global thing, bro. It is not stopping in the United States. So since it is going to happen, the only thing that we can really do is mitigate our exposure to it by taking up the reins first, making sure that it's profitable first. Making sure that our mining and hashing power are secured first, beyond anything else, then we can bitch about whatever Greta Thunberg saying or Thunberg or however you pronounce her name. Uh, we can worry about what she's saying afterwards. But there's no reason. But see, here's the here's the deal: is that climate hysteria aside, and your hatred for AOC aside, actually, and it's I. I I don't want to say that I hate her, but I don't like her. I think she's a moron. Okay, that's just up front. I am not on these people's side. But I'm a realist. They're in power. They have the money printers at full blast. The economy is going to get crushed. And all the time, they're going to be spewing bullshit about the climate. So therefore, public opinion is going to swing to their side. And they're going to hate dirty miners. They're going to love clean miners and clean miners are going to love being clean miners for if and only if the following occur. They really truly find energy that is damn near 100% free for them to utilize so that their overhead is almost all capital expenditure and labor and not an an input of power to be able to do this. They find that those miners get happy not because they're helping the earth, not because they're hugging trees, not because they're hippie freaks. No, it all boils down to capitalism. Capitalism is what's going to drive the clean energy movement in Bitcoin because if you're using energy at 27 cents a kilowatt hour to mine Bitcoin, you're barely breaking even at this price, I think. I'm probably wrong, but you get my point, right? If you're paying nothing for power, well, then all the better, right? And you're just paying. So you could you could actually recalculate what you're paying for power simply by like depreciate, putting on a depreciation schedule, all your capex and then taking into consider your labor, how much time you spend mining project that over ten years and then you can get a kilowatt hour price. But it has nothing to do with what you're actually paying for energy. Get it. And therefore, you can just demonstrate that, hey, we're with you guys. Where's our green grants? Give us money. You got the money printers going, brr, bro. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. I'm just saying, bro. Okay, now, speaking of bro down, Ripple CTO says that it's time to seriously consider selling some crypto. Meanwhile, XRP hit $1.81. Yes, it's another shit coin uh, indicator. Jeff Benson Please tell us what the hell this idiot David Schwartz is doing. Ripple Lab CTO David Schwartz is giving some reasonably sound investment advice. So <laughs> Yes, yeah, sell your shitbags. That is good advice. Though it comes at a strange time for the Payments Network. Quote, if you have life-changing amounts of cryptocurrency, please take some time to seriously consider selling some to reduce your risk and exposure, tweeted Schwartz. Before adding, quote, this is not any kind of prediction about what the market will do, In quote. Yeah, God forbid this should be, you know, investment advice. He went on to say that hodlers should re-evalu- reevaluate if they have at least half a year's earnings in crypto and or significant debt. Given the hot state of the crypto market, Ripple has risen 850% in the last year, and while Bitcoin is only up 790% to $63,000. That's probably most long-term holders. Schwartz has taken his own advice in the past and dumped on retail. He admitted in 2019 of having sold $40,000 worth of Ethereum before the peak of the late 2017 bull run to buy solar panels. In the latest thread, he suggested that he shouldn't have sold all of it. Quote, I guess I was thinking it would go back down and I'd buy back in, he tweeted, but it didn't. You can regret taking too little risk too, of course. End quote. When taken alone, Schwartz's tweets are hardly controversial. When your risky investment into a relatively vi- volatile asset pays off, best to convert some into profit into something more stable. So, God, be- sorry, I messed that up. Best to convert some of the profit into something more stable. Like what? The U.S. dollar? Do you find that stable? excuse me pardon me that's what why retirement mutual funds rebalance every year to increase the percentage of bonds relative to stocks it locks in earnings in what the u.s dollar jesus but the tweets come during the middle of a 1.3 billion dollar sec lawsuit against ripple labs over what the agency views as unregistered security sales of the payment network's xrp token That case hinges on whether XRP is, in fact, an investment contract or merely a virtual currency. Ripple just yesterday filed a motion to dismiss the SEC's suit after the tech firm won three fairly significant decisions. First, the SEC will have to share some documents detailing its discussions with Ripple. Second, Ripple can redact some of the executives' private email exchanges, thereby limiting what the SEC can use as ammo. And last, the SEC's request for executives' personal financial data was denied, which I don't understand, but... I don't know how that, I think the judge is on the take. honestly. That's what I think. I think he's, I think he's corrupt. I think he holds a bag of fucking ripple. I think he's going to be promised even more ripple if he does what David Schwartz and that idiot Garlinghouse tells him to do or her as the case may be. Uh, I to, cause there's no reason not to like uh, be able to get the personal financial records of the people that started this company if they are accused of securities fraud. I'm sorry, there's just no reason not to. Anyway, but this case isn't over yet. Usually, company executives try to maintain a low profile during legal proceedings, lest their words become evidence. Then again, Schwartz was referring generally to cryptocurrencies and not XRP, and he implied that crypto prices can and do go down. Not XRP, though. It's going up. It's going up. Hitting its highest price this year at $1.81. Is anyone selling? Yeah, I'll bet you Garlinghouse is. Him and freaking Schwartz are the worst offenders of dumping their bags of crap on retail. And they're probably going to, okay, they're probably not going to do it. But the fact that Schwartz opens his big fat mouth in the middle of an SEC lawsuit, just because he doesn't specifically mention Ripple, does not mean that everybody at Cripple should be just floored that Schwartz would be that idiotic to say anything in public about cryptocurrency anything. If you're getting sued by the SEC for securities violation, the last thing that you want to do is talk about anything that might even be considered a security. You talk about what you ate for dinner that night, not dumping your bags on retail. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids looking strong, courtesy of CNBC.com forward slash futures and commodities. Oil is up a buck and a half, $61.08 buys you a barrel of West Texas Intermediate while... Uh, Brent North Sea is also up a buck and a half, or sorry, one not a buck and a half, a percent and a half. Okay. That's what West Texas is up. Not a buck and a half, a percent and a half, as is Brent North Sea crude at $64.66 a barrel. Natural gas is up almost a full point to two dollars and sixty-four cents for a thousand cubic feet. Shiny metal rocks are mixed. Gold is down 0.26%. Silver is down 0.12, platinum is up 2%, copper up one and a third, palladium is down a quarter of a point. <clears throat> in case you need the price, gold is coming in at $1,743.20. All the agricultural futures are up except for uh, except for cocoa, and I like chocolate, so I'm, I'm good with that. Why? Well, probably because all the interest rate futures on all the US treasury bonds have been pushed lower. Indices, the futures of. Dow Jones is down 0.05. S&P futures up 0.08. NASDAQ futures up over a full quarter. And S&P mini is up 0.04 of a percent. Let's talk about real money. We're at $64,385.94. Um, 300,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives 12,218 transactions on average every hour with 702 BTC being sent in the... Nope, 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 nope. It's 630 guys. Give me a break. 702,000 BTC being sent in the last 24 hours is about 30,000 BTC being sent on average every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 2.4 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.018 BTC. Excuse me. Mm or rather $1,166. Block time is curiously high at 11 minutes and 10 seconds. 0.9 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 117.5 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours with a 6.53% dump in hash rate we have 171.66 exahashes per second which is well off of our all-time high all-time high of 175 exahashes something like that anyway the shitcoin indicator is at 13.4 cents dogecoin 13.4 cents let that shit sink in if you need more evidence of of shitcoinery litecoin is at $273 I'm, is that an all-time high for Litecoin? I think it is. I think Charlie Lee dumped it like 200 the last time. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's all shit coinery anyway. Clark Moody is showing 63,000 transactions waiting to get on board. 80 blocks to clear. We have $1.21 trillion market cap. That would be $1,210,000,000,000 of market capitalization which is well over 10% of gold's market cap. In fact, capturing exactly 10.65% of gold's market cap in one Bitcoin, you can flip it for 37 ounces of gold. The money's, money's, Jesus, God, Peter Schiff. I just don't get it. Anyway, 18,682,261.17 BTC are in circulation at this time. There is, in fact... BTC in the Lightning Network, with a capacity of 78.1 million dollars, with a total node count of 10,588 nodes. Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, With 42,444 open channels. Now we have an increase in the tour capacity. Percentage we are at 57.7% of the Lightning Network is being run over Tor, with a capacity of 696.83 BTC, and that is over 4,780 Tor nodes in the Lightning Network, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Signal's dirty dealings come back to bite them in the ass. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're gonna start with this one. Brian Quarmby from Cointelegraph revealed top four user complaints about Signal's new crypto payments beta. Mm -hmm. You knew there was gonna be problems and here they are. Privacy focused messenger app Signal has posted early user feedback from the UK based beta launch of its payments integration with mobile coins mob token. A blog post by Signal Head of Growth and Communication Jun Harada revealed the top four user complaints about its new cryptocurrency integration so far, with a major complaint from many users about the entire concept itself because cryptocurrency is the worst. He reassured such users it was an optional feature. Signal announced, on April the 6th that it is aiming to extend its privacy protection features to payments in an attempt to replicate the success of PayPal-owned Venmo, a fast and relatively cheap peer-to-peer payment service that is popular in the United States. The top mob complaint from users was that fees are too high, with mobile coin transaction fees currently sitting at around 60 cents. Haranda acknowledged that the amount was kind of a lot in order to pay your friends for a slice of pizza, and said signal was working on bringing transaction fees down another complaint surrounded uh, the difficulty of getting funds in and out currently uk-based users have to wire transfer money to exchanges that support mobile coin which subsequently incurs extra funding transaction and withdrawal fees that compound on top of signals already existing fees lastly The firm reported that the price volatility of MOB was a big concern for users. The token currently holds an obscure position in the crypto marketplace. MOB went live in December 2020 with $250 coin minted at Genesis and mainly trades on FTX with a daily volume of around $20 million. The token has its price, but no market cap listed on CoinGecko. Harada said that the company had considered alternatives such as Zcash or Light, Zcash or Lightning in the case of Zcash while it was very private it wasn't fast or mobile oriented enough lightning meanwhile does not have quote very strong privacy guarantees however he added quote these projects are all continuously improving and we hope uh, and we hope are focusing on getting closer to being integratable by an app like signal so that it would be possible in the future. I'm going to pause right there. Breeze wallet. And uh, Sphinx chat. Uh, made those integrations. Uh, fairly fairly easy. They, they did it. Why can't you signal? I mean is, is your tech team just. Like I don't know retarded or something. Are they just unable to change their own diapers? the The whole notion. That there's privacy problems in lightning. Is so overblown. It's not even funny. It's difficulty of integration, that's on you, buddy. That's on you. That's not Lightning's fault. That's your inability to, do, to bootstrap some simple shit. I mean, go to, you know, ask Nicholas Dorier or Dorier, however you pronounce his name. I think it's Dorier. So if I mispronounce your name, Nicholas, I'm sorry. But or, or go get with the guys with chat app. Or, oh, I don't know. Ask Breeze Wallet for help. Jesus, it's not that fucking difficult, guys. Signal's integration with Mob doesn't appear to have gone as smoothly as first hope, with some members of the community labeling the token a shitcoin. It is. In questioning Signal's relationship with MobileCoin and Signal founder Moxie Marlin spike after he reportedly appeared on an early draft of MobileCoin's white paper as its chief technology officer, honey, that is a conflict of interest, and it doesn't matter if it's illegal or not. These are the people you stay away from. Conflict of interest people are people that you should stay as far away from as humanly possible. In a Reddit thread on April the 8th, MobileCoin CEO Joshua Goldbart assured the community that Marlin Spike only served as a technical advisor and never served as an executive on the project. I don't give a shit. It's still a conflict of interest. Others have drawn attention to a suspicious rise in the price of the coin. CoinGecko shows the price surge from $7 on March 28th to around $65 on April the 6th before Signal announced its integration with MobileCoin. Mob hit an all-time high of $69 on April the 7th, which was followed by a crash to 40 the very next day. As of today, Mob is sitting at $53. What Signal did was one of the worst things that you could possibly do. They have screwed up not once but twice they went with an obscure coin that can only be traded on FTX which means that they are beholden to FTX to not delist the coin could you imagine what would happen if FTX said you know what we're just we don't think this coin is worth shit and we're just going to we're just going to tank it off of our uh, or delist it off of our exchange third party <laughs> trusted third parties are security holes FTX is that trusted third party for signal because they're the only ones that you can get mobile coin from maybe another one, but still that seems to me to be a fairly dangerous liquidity standpoint to be basing your money app on the fact that this guy is obviously connected to mobile coins development should give one pause. And I'm telling you, man, if trusted third parties are security holes, Conflicts of interest should be run away from like it was a forest fire. And speaking of dumpster fires, NFTs by mail, United States Postal Service plans to support postage tokens. Turner Wright lights the fire of the dumpster fire from Cointelegraph The USPS will soon be stepping into non-fungible token market not to release artwork or music, but rather to help customers purchase stamps. In an announcement on Tuesday, Communications-as-a-Service platform Casemail said the USPS has certified its postage non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, for use in the United States. The tokens are digitally stamped on the USPS's e-postage labels and the physical item being mailed, creating a verifiable chain of custody for digital and physical assets, as all data is recorded, where? On the blockchain. Quote, Using NFTs to help protect a process that's both familiar and important to everyone, mailing a letter or a package, helps demystify this important new technology, said Casemail founder and CEO John Ruiz. It is simply postage printed from the blockchain. Which blockchain? Is it the blockchain? Is there like some kind of... Blockchain in the sky—that that all blockchains get their blockchain-ness from—sort of like chairs and Plato. If you don't understand those references to Pierre Rochard and Plato, well, don't worry about it. The company will refer. Uh, will will first offer the postage tokens exclusively for legal professionals and government agencies, with a rollout planned for the second quarter to include partnerships with providers of consumer and business services. The government agency reported $73.1 billion in revenue from postage and other services in fiscal year 2020, meaning digital postage stamps could be tapping into a large market. Case Mail's use case for NFTs is part of a seemingly larger trend for companies to incorporate real-world data on tokens. This year, individuals and technology firms have used NFTs to geotag street art and develop a device capable of recording and encrypting temperature, air quality, and other data to tokens in a proof of presence verification. Okay, honestly, and I'm going to say something here that is probably going to piss everybody off. I've said before that the idea of the NFT is not terrible. It's the way it's being done is terrible. Because it's it's praying it's preying on the greed of humans to be successful. Honestly, this particular use case, not all that bad. It it it's it's could be better, but it is a it it is demonstrable of what the technology of NFT could actually become if it wasn't so freaking steeped in preying on the idiocy of human greed. That's my huge problem with NFTs right now. NBA top shots, dude, like I'm going to pay $1,700 to watch a guy dunk a basketball. And its it, I don't even own the video. I own an autograph that points to the video on either IPFS or some kind of URL, either of which is a third-party security hole because just because IPFS is the interplanetary file system does not mean that that particular top shot file, somehow or another, the data gets corrupted, links to that particular location on IPFS gets broken. It doesn't matter. All I'm holding is a digital signature that points to it. And I paid $1,700. That's my issue with NFTs. That and the fact that this is all basically on Ethereum and or, God forbid, maybe even Uniswap. I don't know. I I, I don't care because this particular iteration of the NFT is just based in greed, and that's why I hate them. However, I would not dismiss NFTs going forward in the future when they become detached from the human element of greed. And... If now, if these stamps start going for seventeen hundred dollars, and somebody wants to buy your old, you know, mailing envelope for like fifteen hundred dollars because it's got an NFT stamp of Michael Jordan Slam Dunking, you know, during his prime, I got a problem with that. But this particular one, I could see this going forward. I could see this actually working. It needs to be on the Lightning Network or Liquid or something like that. And not on bullshit, you know ethereum, but I'm not all that upset with this particular one, so if you're gonna crush me in 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 the comments and in my uh, uh twitter feed feel feel free. It's okay and tell me exactly how I'm wrong because if I'm wrong, I want to know. oh, speaking of being wrong, India's crypto bill will protect investor from volatility, says finance minister. Oh. Ekin Gank, I think is how you pronounce it, has this one from Decrypt.co, Anurag Thakur, Indian Minister of State for Finance uh, and Corporate Affairs, said in an interview with Times Now yesterday that the government plans to protect investors against the volatility of the cryptocurrency market. Yeah, good luck. Precisely how India's lawmakers plan to do that remains unclear. Of course. Quote, the fluctuations in the price of cryptocurrencies are so high, unlike that of fiat currencies. And that has an impact on the investors, the minister said. So we need to keep investor protection in mind while framing a law. What law? Some law. Any law. I don't care. It's a law. India's much-anticipated crypto bill was previously scheduled for parliamentary introduction by last week, but the plans changed due to local elections, the minister said. As the government continues to drop hints as to what the bill might contain, the Indian crypto industry closely examines each and every statement coming out of the minister's and this one is no different indian crypto industry representatives told decrypt that the government may be considering a form of market circuit breakers limiting the number of transactions on crypto exchanges under certain conditions but most importantly it's an even stronger sign that the regulatory framework instead of a ban as previously feared is in the making some said others however remain skeptical and worry that an outright ban may still be in the works the minister's words didn't come as a surprise to many in the industry as India's government has long considered ways of protecting crypto investors. In our in our past conversations with lawmakers, said Summit Gupta, CEO and CEO founder or and co-founder of crypto exchange Coin DCX, told Decrypt, one major concern they highlighted was investor protection in crypto. He said his company only lists 14 carefully selected crypto assets to assuage those concerns and has increased its fraud protection technology i don't know how though the minister's words sounded like a form of circuit breakers said Jagdish Padya chairman of block on capital a blockchain advisory company quote but let's wait and see he added it's a similarly cautious interpretation gurav Daki, ceo of the crypto exchange bitbns told decrypt that, quote, the minister might be indicating a certain limits to transactions, quote, but it's pretty now, it's now pretty clear, Doki said, that the government is not planning to ban crypto, but to regulate it. But as with every admittedly vague ministerial statement on crypto in India's crypto future, there's always a way to interpret it as potentially hinting at a ban. The minister talked about protecting investors from crypto's volatility, uh, Mr. Suresh, Founder of crypto fantasy trading app Superstocks told Decrypt, quote, that's different from protecting crypto investors, in quote. What if that protection is actually in the form of keeping people away from crypto? The draft bill was scheduled to be introduced sometime by April the 8th, the last day of the parliamentary session in India, as Decrypt last month reported. But that didn't happen, the minister Thakur explained, as the parliament adjourned on March the 25th due to elections taking taking place in five different states. If it had been introduced in the last session, the draft bill would have had a long way to go before coming law. Both chambers of the parliament, lower and upper chambers, similar to the U.S. Congress, would have had to have debated it. If approved by the parliament, the president would then have the final say on it. While that's a lengthy legislative procedure, the draft bill's introduction to the lower chamber would have finally exposed its details to the public. Instead, crypto entrepreneurs in the country are left only to speculate for the moment. So, circuit breakers. Bullshit. Call it bullshit. And Why? Because this trades in like all countries across the planet. And just because when when the circuit breakers in India fire, let's say on a downturn of, oh, I don't know, Dogecoin. Dogecoin's plummeting. It's it's going to the center of the planet, dude. Well, what are they going to do when they flip the circuit breakers in India? Nobody can sell their Dogecoin. But everybody in the rest of the world can sell their Dogecoin. So by the time these investors... Uh, have a chance to, you know, to trade again when the circuit breakers, you know, open back up, uh, yeah there's nothing left. So in fact, in my opinion, India is putting themselves in a position if they were to do this to hurt investors <clears throat> more than actually help them. However, you should not be investing in Dogecoin or any other shit coin at all. Okay. Just saying that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Before I forget, I want to make sure that I run this clip of Joe Kernan talking to uh, Senator McCarthy about Bitcoin. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, it looks like uh, Senator McCarthy or Congressman McCarthy, whichever, <clears throat> uh, seems to take a pretty good view on, on Bitcoin and it's really interesting to listen to. So uh, take it away, Joe. I looked back when you were on, it was July of 2019. We were talking about Libra and you didn't like Libra, but you were very positive about bitcoin which subsequently went from seven or eight thousand to where the new high today at sixty three thousand coinbase now coming public when a lot of government types you're you're very rare for someone to be positive about this and i, I don't know if you saw uh, secretary yellen and fed chair powell talking about it do you think that they have a feeling or a good understanding of 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 digital currencies or Bitcoin at this point? Do they need a little remedial reading, a a little reading of the Bitcoin standard? What, What would you suggest? Well, I think I was right then and I'm right now. I think they tried to ignore it to make it go away. I think Jamie Dimon will tell you that from the beginning he was wrong. This is moving towards the future. They should not ignore it. They should not only learn more about it, but the basis is going to continue to grow. And this is something that those who regulate, those who are in government, that make policy, better start understanding what it means for the future because other countries are moving forward, especially China. I do not want America to fall behind. I want the next century to be ours. That's why I want to look forward, not backwards and not keep my head in the sand. There you go. Make of it what you will. Sounds pretty good to me. <clears throat> hey, I got this, uh, I got this joke. It's not from uh, dad says jokes though. It is in fact from, uh, let's see, uh, who is it? Cash Sap dm'd me this particular joke how does the indian boy say goodbye to his mother Mumbai. yeah it kind of marries up with the uh, indian story that i last read you anyway yeah i know i'm gonna get called a racist for that it's still funny come on everybody needs to lighten the hell up dude anyway if you want to help me out with the show get me more listeners You know, Like, subscribe, share, do all the things, Uh, five-star reviews, pretty much anywhere that you listen uh, to this podcast that allows you to make a review of the podcast, please do. One of the best places is, of course, Apple iTunes, and they are picking up my RSS feed and have been doing so for a couple of years now. Um, Other than that, man, there's not really a whole lot going on. We're going to have to wait wait and see what Coinbase does and see how that... uh, What happens after that? It's going to be an interesting day. It's going to be an interesting rest of the week, and I'm sure I'll have some Coinbase stuff for you tomorrow. That said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.